1: with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be a difficult program. It's a topic no one feels comfortable talking about, and very few people talk about it. It's rarely spoken about in public. It's whispered, but it needs to be discussed because lives are literally at stake, and very few people want to talk about it in the church because this is not supposed to happen to church people allegedly, but it does. And my guest today is going to help us talk about this difficult issue. His name is Dr. John Mark Caton. He is the pastor of Cottonwood Creek Church in Allen, Texas. In fact, we just had uh, the cross examine Instructor Academy down at that fine church. Uh, John Mark has uh, been so gracious to uh, host us there. He's also hosted several Rethink conferences that our friends at Stand to Reason have put on. We've done our Fearless Faith program down there at Cottonwood Creek Church, uh, Allen, Texas, just right outside of Dallas. And uh, Dr. John Mark has a PhD in ethics and uh, he has ministered there. He's been the the senior pastor there for over 25 years now, and he's seen a lot. In fact, back in uh, 2007, he got a phone call from his brother and we're going to pick up what happened with that phone call here in just a second but John Mark it's great having you on the program how are you today I am doing well Frank thanks for having me looking
0: forward to it
1: well this topic uh, you've just written a new book on and we're going to tell our listeners here in just a few minutes how they can get this book for free and trust me everybody should get this book in fact i just read it in the past couple of days it's a great book it's a short book and it will help you deal with one of the most difficult topics anybody could deal with and that topic is suicide and the title of the book is last call suicide and unfinished life john mark let's go back to august 1st 2007. you were just as i remember Uh, dealing with a brand new sanctuary that you were building down there at Cottonwood Creek. God saw it fit through your leadership to expand the church dramatically, and several thousand people are now members of Cottonwood Creek. But what happened that August 1st, 2007, while you were discussing uh, the expansion of the church? Yeah, Frank,
0: it was, uh, you know, f- for, for me personally as a pastor, it was, it, it was the best week I could have ever imagined. Uh, when I'd come to, uh, to Cottonwood Creek uh, 25 years ago, we were really small, just 100 folks or so. And this was the moment we had relocated the church. We had been worshiping in a gym. We had built the worship center. And I was actually on a Wednesday night in my office with a group of our church leadership, preparing for our first Sunday in the new worship center and to make that transition of walking from the gym into the new worship center. You know, every pastor's dream, you know, it was it was a mountaintop experience, not just for me, but it was a mountaintop experience for our congregation. And uh, so we met till late into the evening, and uh, then when I walk out and, to get into my vehicle, uh, I noticed I missed a number of phone calls from my brother, and that was... Uh, uh that was highly unusual for for my brother to call me um you know seven or eight or nine times and just see on your phone missed call missed call missed call missed call missed call and um what took place in in the in the following hour, hours literally changed my life and and I still struggle today
1: the um uh, go ahead no I was just going to say um you called him back that night yeah. and did get yeah. him and spoke to him at length what did you say or what did he say first to you and then how did you respond
0: yeah, yeah Frank I did so I immediately picked a phone and called him even though it was late um, he answered the phone uh, and uh, his his first statement to me Frank was just calling to tell you goodbye and uh, you know I was like what do you mean calling to tell me goodbye and he was just very honest he says i'm done i'm done and i just wanted to call you and tell you i love you and i wanted to say goodbye and i go as in you're thinking about suicide and he goes no i'm going to commit suicide and you know and and it would have been one thing for me to reflect back on that phone call and, and think that that i didn't think he was serious Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, and this is something that's, you know, tortured me for years. I knew he was serious. Absolutely knew he was serious, and so he just said, "I wanna I want you to know I love you. I, I, I want to ask for you uh, to forgive me for all the things that I've done uh, to hurt you and the family, and, uh, and, and then he, then he went on and began to ask some questions that I still get asked today. Uh, when I meet with a family who's lost a loved one to suicide, he said, um, can I still go to heaven after I commit suicide? Uh, he, he, He said, can I be a Christian and even think about committing suicide? And, you know, honestly... The the pastoral questions, the theological questions, the biblical questions were easy to answer. Uh, that yes, you Christians all the time uh, get depressed and they they can feel hopeless and Satan lies to them and uh, tells them you know that things are never going to change. Those are all things that any Christian can feel at any moment. Um, can a can a can a Christian who commits suicide go to heaven? That's an easy one. Uh, The manner of our death uh, does not determine our destiny. It's the decision that we make before we die, whether we are going to accept or reject Christ. Those pastoral questions, uh, Frank, for me, were easy to answer, although I knew my brother was very serious. The personal questions were the ones that were hard to answer. You know, could I forgive him? You know, I preach on forgiveness all the time, but I struggled with those things. And, you know, that night... I probably spent um, more time on the phone in a single phone conversation with him than I had for a long time. And um, when I hung the phone up, I thought I had talked him out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back in my house. My wife was still awake. She knew I was on the phone. Uh, We prayed for my brother. um, And and I, I put my head on the pillow, and I thought I should drive to Houston I can be there in four hours from Dallas to where he lived was four hours, and um, I didn't. I, I, I didn't, Frank, and and that still haunts me today, and it hurts me today, because I still to this day think somehow things would have turned out differently had I made that, had I made that drive to Houston and been there for my brother, but I didn't but instead you know what I did I, I said man there's a lot going on in the church I've talked him out of it we've developed a plan and 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 my brother dealt with what many deal with when they're struggling with suicidal thoughts he had uh, addiction problems um, he, he struggled with alcohol and he had beat it and then he would lapse and he would beat it and he would lapse and fall back into it and so he had fallen back into it he had been through a divorce and lived a lonely, isolated life, and and away from people. And you know, God created us uh, as relational beings, and so He had those two things working against Him, and He also struggled with depression. Mm-hmm. And so you take those three and add them up, and it was too much for him to take. But I absolutely, Frank, thought I had talked him out of it. We had developed mm-hmm. a plan that he was going to move. Uh, to the city he lived out in the country by himself that's where he and his wife before they divorced lived but everything was set up for him to fail and um the next morning i drove into the office the next phone call i received was from the sheriff's office that he had taken his life and literally my life was changed forever
1: well you put that experience and some wise counsel in your book last call suicide and unfinished life My guest today is Dr. John Mark Caton, and he is the pastor of Cottonwood Creek Church just outside of Dallas in Allen, Texas. And we're going to answer some questions today. What does the Bible say about suicide? Did people in the Bible actually commit suicide? What about them? Um, Can a Christian who commits suicide still go to heaven? Why is the suicide rate going up? What can we do about it? How can parents talk to their kids about suicide? We need to prevent it. What can we do to prevent it? you're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turk. we're back in two minutes, don't go anywhere. Suicide, a topic very few want to discuss, but we are going to discuss it today with my friend Dr. John Mark Caton, pastor of Cottonwood Creek Church, who had his own brother commit suicide back in 2007. As you know, my friend uh, Dr. Mike Adams, who John Mark knew well because Mike had spoken at the church several times. Uh, Our friend committed suicide just a couple of months ago, a month and a half ago. And uh, everyone struggles when that happens, especially when we know that the people that did this are Christians. How could they do this? And why would they do this? And what happens to them when they do this? Um, I know that... uh, this current season, John Mark, has been very difficult for people. The COVID lockdown has created a lot of anxiety. I can tell you for sure that Dr. Mike Adams would be alive today uh, if the COVID lockdown had not occurred. Not that he didn't have any say in this. He did with regard to the decision he made. But what ultimately led him to the decision began with the COVID lockdown. He was isolated. He wasn't teaching anymore. Uh, He... Um, was speaking out against the lockdown and people came down on him for that and one thing led to another and isolation is one of the worst things that can happen in fact you talk about that a lot in the book last call that isolation is one of the biggest problems that people uh, have prior to committing suicide or the people that survive suicide the people in the family or the, the friends that survive uh, that have somebody they they know commit suicide when they get isolated that can be a problem as well. Why is that such such a problem? Isolation.
0: Well, you know, I think what happens in isolation is first of all, it, it's not the way God created us. You know, mm-hmm. God created us as relational beings. If you go all the way back to the creation story, um, you look everything that God created was good, 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 good. And the first time you hear this is not good, it was not good for 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 man to be alone. And God created us as relational beings. God's in an eternal relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we are created in God's image. So we are created to be in relationships with others and connection and friendship and conversation with others to worship with God's people. And uh, the facts are when we withdraw uh, from others. When we lose uh, our relationships and it is replaced with isolation, it just compounds anybody's problem that they already have. If someone is already struggling with perhaps an addiction or, or perhaps a depression or perhaps a, some sort of hopelessness or they have circumstances in their lives that uh, are difficult for them to bear when things are good, uh, you take that same individual and isolate them, and it just compounds the problems. And we see this all the time, really today, uh, with young adults. Uh, you know, the sad reality, Frank, is with young adults right now, and in, in our country, that suicide is the second leading cause of
1: death. The well, second
0: leading cause of death. You for just teens had in
1: young adults. You just had someone in your congregation. Um, with a situation of suicide. You want to relate that to yeah. us? Yeah, it, a 15 year old boy. Uh, we're talking about a,
0: a, a sharp student. Uh, within a couple of miles from our church, we're in a, uh, a wonderful area, a great city, uh, that uh, that really, when you go back to the lockdown back in March, uh, prior to the lockdown, uh, regardless of what was going on in his life, he got up every day, got ready, went to school, uh, spent time with his friends, saw his friends, came home, then he interacted with his friends, then on Sunday, came to church, and uh, then on Wednesday night, went to youth group. Now, there is no doubt that probably he was struggling with some things. We're talking about a 15-year-old boy. When you're 15 years old and you're a teenage boy, you're struggling, right? You, You don't know where you are half the time, and you've got hormones and thoughts and people and relationship issues, but then you take that same individual and you isolate that individual, And all of the problems get magnified and there's nothing there to distract you. There's no one there to help you level set what's going on in your life. And the hopelessness and despair just continues to go up. And if you look within the um, teens and young adult category, right now we're seeing already the connection between the more time spent on social media, and apart from actual and real
1: relationships the more
0: depressed the child will get all right well i think social female.
1: yeah i was going to say i think social media and by the way i don't know if your mic is rubbing up against something john mark i just hear some background uh, okay, noise there yeah, I, I don't know if that's you sure or that. something else going on it could be it in could our system be. but in any event um social media just creates jealousy and isolation in many regards and People tend to get their identity unfortunately now from social media why aren 't pe- why why aren't my friends liking my post? Do people not like me anymore? Why did my friend get better likes than mine and how come my friends always seem like they're having a great time? They've got all these great pictures on Instagram and Facebook or wherever they're putting them up and going, wow, they're always having a good time. And that's just not true. People are always putting their best foot forward on social media and nobody ever puts up on social media. Very rarely do they say, I'm having a tough day today. Gee, can you help me? It's it's completely the opposite. And so people get this false idea like, what's wrong with me? All my friends, look, what, look at all the good things that are happening to them. And so it gives... Com- people, a completely false view of reality. Uh, And I I think as parents, we need to really watch our kids on social media because if if we're not there to counterweight the kind of negativity and false expectations that social media sets up for them, they can fall into this, John Mark.
0: That's exactly right. And You know, the truth is, the more people you follow, the more people are having a better time than you are that night or that day. (laughs) Uh, It's that way with us as adults. But we understand as we post on social media, I typically don't post my worst day as a pastor. Uh, I don't post uh, those days, and I told you, just shared in the first segment, that, you know, hey, the loss of my brother still causes me sometimes to weep and cry today. Those are not the days that I post on social media, right? (laughs) It's not that I want to be a liar, I just want to encourage encourage people and but as young adults when they look around the the and they see someone else is always having a better time and follow more people and guess what more people are going to have a better time and people post lies right, right. That my life is better and, and as a result, uh, they can begin to believe the lies of Satan. Scripture tells us Satan's a liar. And boy, you take social media or you isolate someone, they'll begin to believe that no one cares. And that is a lie. God cares about people. I care, you care, others care. But you begin to l- believe the lie when all you're looking at is social media. Beyond that, uh, sometimes we can think, well, my pain or my hopelessness, my depression will never end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it, it it really will. There'll be a time when you are back with your friends and encouraging one another. Uh, I, I think honestly, sometimes people believe when they're in a lot of pain, They believe a lie that Satan says, you know, if you will just take your life, it will end all the pain. Well, I can tell you this, Frank, from personal experience, um, the pain of my brother's uh, life didn't end when he took his life. It was just transferred, and if nothing else, it was multiplied to me and my family. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back on my brother... That was not my brother's thought process. He didn't want to hurt me. He didn't want to hurt my family or our family more. But he he believed the lie that Satan told him that that will end the pain. And it didn't end the pain at all. It just transferred it from him to us and it multiplied and magnified it in such a way and so the more we can get out of social media and in in real relationships and in relationships with others, the better off we're going to be and the more we can read in Scripture and hear Scripture taught, we can hear the truth that God created us in His image and He blessed us. And we can also be reminded that, hey, our feelings are real. But they're often unreliable. Mm. You know, my feelings are real. The way I feel, the way you feel, they are real. But they're often
1: unreliable. And you write in the book that uh, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I want people to think about that for a minute. It's a permanent solution. It's not really a solution, but people think it is for them. To a temporary problem. Things will get better. And God loves you. People love you. More people out there care about you than you know, and so it's never the right call. Because, as you just said, John Mark, this just transfers pain to everybody else. Uh, we had the same as a situation here, as I said, with my friend Mike Adams. His fiance he still can't get out of bed sometimes in the morning, you know, and and that's going to continue for a while. Uh, because, and, and you always think that there was something you could have said that could have. Could have changed his mind, and probably the, the, the answer to that is no, you couldn't have um, and I've heard that from professionals who say once someone decides to commit suicide they may they may be delayed in doing it, but unless there's some sort of huge intervention they're going to get it. they're going to do it at some point. Um, maybe if you had driven to Houston you might have delayed it, John Mark, but chances are you wouldn't have prevented it.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, but even going back to my brother's life, uh, he had been through uh, deep valleys before, never to the place of wanting to commit suicide. Uh, he, had, he had lost his battle with addiction before on multiple occasions. Uh, he had been alone before, but he always rallied back. And, and as you said uh, just a few minutes ago, he chose a permanent solution to a temporary problem that uh, really cut off all opportunity for God to do an amazing work in his life Mm. and miss out on the opportunity uh, not to see another mountaintop, which I absolutely believe that my brother would have seen another mountaintop. He would have seen another season of God's blessing and sunshine in his life uh, had he not chosen that permanent uh, end uh, to a very temporary but real problem, a difficult problem, a difficult season in his life.
1: Well, there are things we can do now to help other people and to answer some questions. And we're going to do that as this show unfolds. So don't go anywhere. We've got just about a minute before the break. But I I just want to reiterate one thing, Pastor John Mark, that you had mentioned earlier, uh, that people who are Christians who commit suicide, uh, the thought is, oh, they can't go to heaven. That's not true. Just give us 30 seconds on why that's not true.
0: Well, really, the manner of one's death has nothing to do with their destiny. Uh, how we die doesn't determine our destiny. It's what we do with Jesus Christ before we die. Uh, if uh, if an unbeliever uh, dies uh, from suicide, uh, they don't uh, spend eternity apart from God because of the suicide. They spend eternity apart from God because they rejected Christ. If a believer um, would also uh, commit suicide, They are going to heaven because they've accepted Christ.
1: What can we do as Christians to help people who have these thoughts? Maybe we have them ourselves. What can we do about that? How can we help those struggling? And how can we help the survivors of suicide? We're going to talk about all of that right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turk. My guest is Pastor John Mark Caton, and we'll be back in two. The book is called Last Call, Suicide in Unfinished Life. And for this month, Pastor John Mark is going to give this book to you for free. All you need to do is text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 77978. That's book to 77978. Uh, We'll either send you a hard copy or you can download the PDF. Uh, for those of you that hear this after this month and you want to get the book it is on amazon you can get it there again the book is called last call suicide and unfinished life john mark caton c-a-t-o-n he's my guest phd in ethics and pastor of cottonwood creek church in allen texas you know john mark just before the break we were talking about the fact that just because uh, someone commits suicide That doesn't mean they're going to hell if they've already accepted Jesus as their savior. But I've had people ask me, if someone commits suicide, will they go to hell? And I always want to stop and ask, why are you asking that question? You know, because it's almost like you're giving them permission to, to take their own life because they're not going to experience a consequence of going to hell because of doing such a thing. But they will experience a consequence of lost rewards. And the fact that the future here on earth has now been cut short where they could have done some more work for Christ, correct? Absolutely. And
0: and I will tell you, going back um, to my brother's case, uh, that he asked me for himself. And that immediately put me in a difficult situation because, as I shared earlier, I knew he was serious. And my fear was that if I told him, oh yes, you'll still go to heaven, that that was giving him permission uh, to uh, to take his life. Um, and... Uh, In that moment and in that season, uh, I certainly wasn't thinking clear because it caught me off guard, but you touched on it exactly correctly. Uh, Yes, a Christian who commits suicide can go to heaven, but they absolutely are breaking one of God's commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill, which ultimately is is exactly what suicide is. It is murder, it just happens to be self-murder. Mm -hmm. And um, then to think about the lost rewards, the lost opportunity, the missed opportunity to see God's blessings and impact other people's lives. Those are real losses. Yes, uh, I believe my brother's in heaven because he had trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. But I also believe that my brother James, he missed a lot of blessings and rewards that God still had planned for him.
1: Now this is not um, something uncommon in the scriptures. There are suicides in the scriptures. You mentioned some of them in the book. Saul is one primary example. Judas, of course, is another, uh, John Mark. But you also talk about people in the scriptures who wanted to commit suicide and didn't. Speak about that a little bit.
0: You know, that's that's the beauty of God's word is it tells the truth. I mean, <laughs> some people that we consider heroes of the faith um, came to points and places in their life where they preferred death over life because of what they were going through. Take Elijah. um, Just one chapter. Go look at 1 Kings chapter 19. One chapter after the amazing success on Mount Carmel, uh, Elijah has hidden in a cave. Now notice, he's isolated himself. He's not where (laughs) God wants him to be. He's alone, and he's throwing a pity party. And he prays, and in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he prayed that he would die Then if you go on to the very next verse, he says, Lord, I have had enough. God, take my life. Now, think about it. Elijah the prophet came to a place because he was alone, he was isolated, he was in a cave of his own uh, depression and hopelessness and misery, and he prayed that God would take his life. He was despairing. Now, let me tell you what. Elijah was a massive and major uh, prophet in the Old Testament. If he can struggle with that, so can I. Uh, Jonah the prophet, he wanted to die. Go look at Jonah chapter chapter 4. What about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament? Man, if if any of us together could ever scratch the surface on all the amazing things that the Apostle Paul did uh, in his life, I think we would all cherish that. But if you go look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, in talking about all of his troubles that he experienced, he said, we were under pressure far beyond our own ability to endure it. And listen to the words he said, so that we even despaired of life itself. But in each one of those cases, and also Solomon, by the way, Man, Hmm. you you go look at Ecclesiastes, Solomon. All of life is meaningless. Uh, But if you think about Solomon and Elijah and Jonah and Paul and others in Scripture, they came to seasons and moments in their life where they preferred death over life. But here's the beauty. They chose to trust God in every one of those individuals. You can track to a different time in their life where they saw God's blessings as well. Jesus Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, boy, he despaired of what he was going through and he longed not to go through what he was going through. And so if Jesus can feel what we feel and goes through and experiences what we uh, go through, man, it is not uncommon for a believer to really struggle and even despair of life. But the key is, as those in Scripture We have to make the right choice to press
1: on and to live for God's glory. There's so many examples in scripture, as you just pointed out, Pastor John Mark, that I think we forget about that. And the Bible, as you mentioned, is real. It includes all the warts, difficulties and struggles of its heroes because it's telling the truth. A made-up story probably wouldn't have included those things, especially if you're trying to say that you ought to be a Christian because your life's going to be better. No, it's probably not going to be better. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be beat down. You're going to experience trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor uh, John Mark, I I have a friend who um, I hadn't been in touch with for about eight years, but years ago, her husband committed suicide practically in front of her. Her name is Renee Coach Scheit, and uh, she had a TV show here in Charlotte area for many years. And she happened to email me uh, for another reason about two months ago. And uh, we got talking via email. And then when Mike Adams committed suicide and his fiance was struggling, so I connected Renee and Mike's fiance. And Renee has been a complete godsend to Mike's fiance. In fact, at the memorial service, um, I was talking to Renee and I said, thank you so much for helping out Mike's fiance, Marquita. And uh, she said, it's, it makes what I went through um, actually meaningful in other words, that I can take my experience, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 1, and use it to bless somebody else. That the God who comforts us can then enable me to comfort somebody else. And so Renee is now comforting Marquita with the difficulty that she went through to help Marquita through this difficulty now. And so that's why, friends, we can't be isolated when... We go through difficulty. We have to reach out to other people. And I just thought it was so providential that a woman I hadn't heard from in eight years emails me just a couple of weeks before Mike dies and she's the perfect person to help Marquita through the difficulty that she's going through now.
0: And and, and God does use it that way as much as I, I can just tell you, Frank, I wish my brother's suicide was not part of my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will also tell you that there have been times that that I've walked into a house, where I, just as I did with the mom of the 15 year old boy the other day, I sat across the table in my office as she spent the first 15 minutes trying to talk and just weeping and I was just there and I understood it and, and you know, we have a lot of care ministries at the church and you know grief share and different things but i will tell you when it comes to suicide mm-hmm. grief share typically doesn't do it it requires someone that's been there and we've connected with a few ministries here locally that uh, one of the ministries is just called SOS, Survivors of Suicide. The only people that go in there are parents or or, or fiance's who have lost, lost loved ones and, and the care and compassion and love and support they get from others who have been through it is just a complete godsend. And uh, I, I can tell you, it wasn't that long ago that I sat on a kitchen floor with a couple after the father had taken uh, with with a with a mom and her two daughters on a kitchen floor with them and all i did was sat down and cried with them for 30 minutes because the the husband had taken his life uh, upstairs and the father and once you've been down there and sadly i've become known in our area as the pastor who went through suicide And so anytime the police department uh, has something going on, I'm a chaplain for the police department. If it's a suicide, they pick up the phone, call me. And let me tell you what, I don't usually show up and, and speak the first few minutes. I have to cry with them because I've been there. And that's why it's so important that if someone has been through the loss of a loved one, just as you did, to connect them with someone that's also been down that path. It's painful. I will tell you for me, every time I sit in an office or go to a home, and and try to minister and, and share the compassion of God with them that I've received myself. It's a painful experience, but I also know that it's a powerful one because I've been through it. And now that I've looked back, that I can provide some answers and strength and hope to those who are struggling.
1: How often does this happen, John Mark? How often do you get a call from the police department?
0: Probably at least once a month. It's it's that often.
1: You guys that are listening right now, um, we can't cover everything in the book, uh, but you need to get the book, especially if you have young people in the home. I mean, it's the second law. Lo- uh, second, I can't even speak right now. It's the second largest cause of death among young people, ten to twenty-four. So what we want you to do right now is we want you to to text, and this is a free book, okay? Just text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 779-78, 779-78, and John Mark will either get you a hard copy or a PDF of the book he just wrote, just came out in March, called Last Call, Suicide and Unfinished Life, and there's a lot of good advice in here, some of which we'll get to right after the break. Um... But John Mark, this this COVID situation has been very difficult on people, and I'm sure you've probably seen maybe an uptick in this kind of thing in recent months, correct?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And if you take um, the thing that concerns me as a pastor is here's what I know, you— you take um, uh, even adult individuals, not not just the young teens who are more isolated than we need them to be, but you take adults and uh, cause them to lose a job because of the economy. You take men, addiction, depression, and ultimately suicide is going to be a result of what we're going through right now.
1: Guaranteed. Sorry for the somber topic. A topic, ladies and gentlemen, but we need to speak about this issue because it's taking lives and we need to do what we can to prevent it and help those who Our survivors of it, relatives and friends, we're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to my friend, Dr. John Mark Caton, pastor of Cottonwood Creek Church. We're talking about this difficult issue of suicide. And the book that he just wrote recently is called Last Call, Suicide and Unfinished Life. You can get it for free. He's going to send it to you because this is a ministry And he wants to help people uh, about this issue, preventing suicide or helping those who are surviving, friends and relatives that survive a suicide, uh, just text the word BOOK to 77978. Now, Pastor John Mark, why is suicide just so much more difficult to get over than just say a normal death when somebody dies from an accident or old age or a disease or something like that? Why is this more difficult?
0: You know that that's a great question, and and I will submit to you it is more difficult. Well, well, one because at the end of the day, we can never get to the question of why. Um, as I, as I shared earlier in the broadcast, one of the first questions people ask after they've lost a loved one is, can they still go to heaven? Uh, the second question that they may or may not ask me, but they're certainly asking them, is the question of why. Why would they choose that path over another path? And the truth is, you'll never get that answer. Um and then finally, I think one of the reasons suicide is so hard to get over is because you really have no one to be angry at because the person you are mourning is also the one you are angry at. Uh, take, for example, uh, another tragic example that, that should someone lose a son or a daughter uh, that they're going through an intersection and a drunk driver uh, runs a red light and causes an accident and you lose your son or daughter, you are mourning the loss of your child or even your husband or even your wife. You are mourning that person, but you can then direct, a natural thing is we're going to be angry at someone, right? We want to be angry at the responsible person who caused my son or my daughter or my uh, husband or my wife or my mom or dad's death. We want to be angry. We have a typical reaction of wanting to be angry, but the problem with Suicide, Frank, is that the person we are mourning is also the person we're mad at. Right, yeah. And that compounds the issues because then you are even more conflicted. You don't just have the loss, now you multiply the loss with the anger that you have no place to redirect it towards. And it just, it just, it's like the 900 pound gorilla that just lands on your shoulders.
1: Well, a lot of time there is no why because it's not a rational event. In fact, with Mike's case, Mike Adams's case, as I spoke about on a previous program, there wasn't a note. But we recognized in the last few days of his life, he wasn't thinking clearly at all. He wasn't just—he wasn't acknowledging clear facts, and uh, it—he just—it just spiraled out of control. And as you point out in the book, a lot of times you believe the lies of Satan because you're isolated and you've closed yourself off. So that's one thing that you can't do. If you know somebody that's isolated or you're isolating yourself, you have to reach out to other people. And so the the next question I do wanna ask you, uh, John Mark, is what can we do to help someone who is struggling with suicidal thoughts right now? What can we do?
0: Well, ultimately it's a complex issue, but the first thing you have to do is if you find out they are struggling, with suicidal thoughts, you need to immediately broaden the circle. Uh, you need to if they are a young adult uh, whether male or female, you need to contact the parents. if you if it is a school friend, you need to communicate with the professionals at the school uh, that this is not something that uh, that you take upon yourself. You broaden. Uh, the circle. Even as a pastor who's been a pastor now here at Cottonwood Creek over 25 years uh, and been through suicide myself, I don't feel equipped alone to walk someone through suicidal thoughts apart from a team, if that makes sense. So uh, I would encourage if, you're, if you've got a young adult who is, who is listening or a teenager and they, are, they have someone they're struggling with suicidal thoughts, first thing you need to do is tell your parents, tell their parents, tell people at the school, uh, if they are very serious, then you call 911 and report it. Uh, and then do everything you can. then then do everything you can to help that individual after you've contacted uh, the authorities and you've broadened the circle, uh, help that individual to get some pastoral help to get in a relationship with others and demonstrate that the lie that satan is telling them that no one cares is simply not true. It's just not true. People do care and you do matter regardless of how you feel. So that'd be my first thought is broaden the circle is uh, do everything you can to just be in relationship with them. There's not one perfect thing you can say, but the more people who can speak into a life, into the life of a person who is struggling with suicidal thoughts, the better off they they are
1: going to be. What should parents do right now with regard to their teenagers? Now, the teenagers may have not expressed anything about suicide, yet this needs to be discussed i think every parent needs to discuss this with their child just like they should discuss every other major issue with their child how should a parent speak to their children about suicide john mark
0: that's a great question and and just as you said every parent needs to in this day and age speak to their children about the issue of suicide And I would encourage you, first of all, that as a parent, when you speak with your child about suicide, uh, you need to use some shock value terminology. Uh, Call it what it is, call it murder call it self-murder a lot of times we want to uh soften things up and refer to it as suicide but the sad thing is frank what we see a lot on social media if a teenager takes a life uh, we see all the beautiful images of a candlelight vigil that all the students are up at the school and, and and what can happen is satan in a person that is already not thinking clearly satan can think won't that be beautiful Won't that be beautiful? And we can kind of idolize this idea of suicide as if there is some sort of beauty in it when the reality of it is it's not beautiful at all. It is painful. And so the parents need to go and speak to their kids. I can tell you that after my brother's death that we sat down with our kids and looked them in the eye and said... I want you to know that the decision that my brother made was the wrong decision. He cost himself a lot of God, God's blessings in future days. If you ever have thoughts that you come talk to us, there is no problem we can't and won't solve together. Now, I will tell you, that was a conversation we have, but Frank, we've had those same conversations with our kids again. When <laughs> someone around them, has committed suicide, we go back to them and have those conversations again. And we say, we want to remind you that there is no trouble you go through, that you have to make the decision of suicide. That is always the wrong decision. And like I said again, Parents need to call it what it is, murder. We need to have some shock value involved that don't let your kids think that suicide is just something that is followed by a sweet candlelight visual, because it's not. It is murder, and it is self-murder.
1: It needs to be discussed, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you want to get the book, we can only cover a small portion of the book here on this program. Just text the word BOOK, B-O-O-K, to 77978. And Pastor John Mark will get you either a hard copy or the PDF of the book. It's worth reading. It's a short book, just a little over 100 pages. And there's so much in here, as I say, that we couldn't cover. Um, But John Mark, what would you like to leave with our audience as we kind of wrap up our thoughts here?
0: Sure. I I would just love to say, first of all, if, if there's someone who's listening to this that you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, reach out for help. Uh, there there are lots of places you can go uh, professionally to the church for pastoral help don't ever stay isolated go get involved in a group surround yourself with people and that's first of all first and foremost to those who are struggling um, if you are trying to help someone who is struggling with suicide immediately broaden the circle uh, don't feel like you have to take this on your own but then also help that individual get involved in groups be the way God God created them, which is for relationships. And then finally, for those who've lost a loved one, uh, just like me, I want to encourage you, uh, be open and honest about it. Be willing to share with other. This is not a a topic that we need to be embarrassed about that someone we love took their life. We need to be open and honest about it and be willing to talk about it and also be willing to talk about the simple fact, as I do with my brother, I love my brother dearly, but the reality of it is that the decision that he made cost him the opportunity to see God's blessings in this world. Now, he he knows God in heaven, but the reality that he missed an opportunity, he also cost my children the opportunity of growing up with their uncle. And Hmm. so those those are somber thoughts, but they're real thoughts, and we can all get through this together.
1: And there is a purpose to life, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the reasons people commit suicide is they think there's no purpose. There is a purpose. The purpose is to know God and to make Him known. And uh, there's nothing more beautiful than knowing God, which means that your future is secure. You don't achieve your identity in Christianity. You receive your identity. There's no pressure on you to do anything but just to accept the free gift that Christ has given you. So there's no pressure. Jesus has given. He's taken all the difficulty on himself. Yes, we'll have difficulty here on earth, but he will help us get through it. And ultimately, we're going to be with him in eternity and every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more crying, no more pain. But that crying and pain right now can actually help us become more like Jesus and enhance our capacity to enjoy God forever. So suicide is not the answer. Getting closer to other people and closer to Jesus is the answer. So John, Mark, thanks for writing this book. It took a lot of guts to write this and and to make it available for free to everyone.
0: Well, I'm happy to do it. And it's just an opportunity to remind people that in the sinful culture and world that we live in, you know, as scripture said, as Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy.
1: But Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and life to the full. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, friends. That's uh, Pastor John Mark Caton. His book is Last Call, Suicide and Unfinished Life. Get it for free by typing book, texting book to 77978. Lord willing, I'll see you here next week. God bless you all.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.